And now, The Mentors, one of the most popular and unique shows on the radio today. Each week, one of our four remarkable CEOs, including Tom Lord, John Phillips, and Rick Brutico, will challenge your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their success and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor. Welcome back. To the Mentors Radio, I am Tom Laurie, and I will be joined today by the founder and president emeritus of the Center of the American Experiment and author of Education Roads Less Traveled, Dr. Mitch Perlstein. Remember, you can hear us on the Salem Radio Network in California and Texas and online at thementorsradio.com or on any podcast platform, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, on any device, anytime. Some people today are promoting the idea of free college education for all. This despite the fact that most jobs in the United States do not require a four-year degree. Our guest today, Dr. Mitch Perlstein, and I will talk today about education and careers, particularly those that do not need a college degree. This is a topic near and dear to my heart. I had the privilege of working as a bricklayer's laborer, then as an apprentice bricklayer early in my career. It was a formative experience about careers, jobs, income, and life, and it had a profound impact on my worldview. Mitch, welcome to The Mentors. And why do we have this notion that everybody should get a four-year degree? Why is this so potent? Well, thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this for quite a while. Um, Get a good job, you need a good education. has been around for a long time, and that has been interpreted far too easily as meaning you need a a four-year degree. Parents, generally speaking, want and expect their kids to get four-year degrees, and they're, they're... other factors, such as the GI Bill and all, but the fact of the matter is, as you just suggested, most jobs don't need four-year degrees, and most people never get a four-year degree, even with all the impetus out there in, in, in the culture. I have known in my entire life, and I'll be 72 in May, a grand total of one person who really believes that everybody should get a four-year degree, and she was a Marxist political scientist back in the 60s when everything was crazy. But 90% of parents or so want their kids to get it, so there's a real disconnect. There are great jobs, great careers out there for people without a four-year degree, though you have to have some kind of post-high school training. Uh, That would work so much better for so many people. And... What would you uh, tell a high school student today with uh, this in mind? Or how should we deal with high school students? How should we deal with young people? Since this is a an idea that is uh, so pronounced, and we're hearing more and more about it. Well, I don't like indoctrinating kids, and this is not indoctrination, but we need to, it seems to me, let young people know, and before high school, 
that there are these other options, and in so doing, also let their parents know that there are these uh, other options. I started uh, the last book, uh, Education Roads Less Travel, with uh, asking the question and telling the story. You know, there, and it's the only time I ever say, you know, you know, there are uh, a lot of young people out there who are really not interested in getting a four-year degree, but they're pressed to do so by uh, parents and by peers and by teachers and school counselors and the very air that we breathe. So they apply, they enroll, they go off to school, and after about a year or two, it's just not working out for them. This is not what they really are equipped to do or want to do. So they drop out. Now they're unemployed or underemployed and quite possibly in debt and not feeling great about themselves. When, in fact, there are these other routes, uh, community college degrees, certificates, training in the military, apprenticeship, which can lead and do lead to uh, very good jobs and careers. And we have a problem, too, don't we, with uh, school counselors? Yes, we do, and I try not to beat up on them, and I... One thing that disappointed me in the book, I thought perhaps I was a tad unfair uh, to them, but then again, they didn't want to talk to me because it worked out even. Um, But with school counselors, these are folks who really generally don't have any background in the trades, manufacturing, and other such fields. These are people who got degrees in education, uh, got degrees in the liberal arts, are masters people in psychology, and they simply don't know very much about these other fields. One of the things I uh, recommend and recommend uh, vigorously is that uh, uh, business leaders uh, need to do a much better job in letting young people know what options are out there for them. Uh, There was a Story. There's a story. I just saw the headline. I haven't read it this morning in the Wall Street Journal about how uh, small businesses are having a hard time uh, finding people uh, to work. Uh, one of the things I would love to see happen is have businesses set up in community centers, or even better, let's say a, in a in a bus that's painted with their logo, parked a couple of blocks away from the school offering counseling to uh, kids. Again, though, parents have to be brought along. They uh, have to be supportive of it. Uh, Otherwise, uh, I just don't like the idea of talking to kids behind parents' backs that way. Well, I worked in um, aerospace up in Minneapolis when I started my career, and I was introduced for the first time in my life to the machine and pool trades. And uh, I can tell you personally that it, it, my career, my success was staked on tool makers and machinists to make things for me for the production line. Uh, and I know coming out to California and building companies, finding good tool trade people and tool makers is really challenging. I think this is what you're getting at in terms of these trades which are extremely important to companies that are uh, creating things Uh, and and that was it's interesting i served as a uh, 
advisor to the University of California at Berkeley's uh, Mechanical Engineering Group, and what Al Pisano, who is the chairman, and he's now the uh, dean at the University of California, San Diego, he actually has students coming in fresh as freshmen. And the first course, they have to learn machine trades. They have to go work in a tool room. They've got one that they've created to teach them about how to make things. I don't know if they're doing any of that out at the University of Minnesota, but I found that fascinating uh, for young engineers. I don't know of any such program out here, but I can tell you from what I know, these are very demanding occupations. These are not the kinds of programs that kids go into to play to the cliche uh, because you're not smart enough uh, to get into a four-year school and do liberal arts. That's not it at all. I have a, a friend out here who, up until very recently, he retired. He was a leader in the Minnesota State system. Uh, well, let, let's come back. Yeah. We're going to have to take a break, but let's come back and talk about your friend. Uh, we're with Mitch Perlstein, the author of Education Roads Less Traveled. We're talking about great career paths that do not require a four-year college degree. Remember, you can take the Mentors Radio Show with you anywhere by subscribing to our podcast at thementorsradio.com. This is Tom Laurie, and this is the Mentors Radio Show. And now, back to the Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and today we have with us the founder of the Center of the American Experiment, Mitch Perlston. We're discussing America's obsession with the four-year college degree and a lot of jobs that are going begging uh, that don't require a degree. Remember, you can listen to us on the radio, via podcasts, on the iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, Google, and more, any device, anytime. Mitch, in the last segment, you were telling us about your friend. Would you uh, continue with that story? Yeah, wonderful guy by the name of Mike McGee, retired within the last year, and he had responsibility in the Minnesota state system for uh, working with industry. And one of the points he makes, and it follows up on what I said about uh, these are demanding jobs, uh, he would argue, and I absolutely would agree, that it is uh, just as difficult to do well in the, a first-year community college course in uh, talking broadly, making things, some kind of technical work, as it is to do well in a freshman liberal arts course in, let's say, uh, uh, history. There's no question about that in my mind. Uh, these are not programs for uh, students who are, are not up to it. Uh, it's a different set of skills and people with different interests. One of the stories I, I like to tell has to do with the new Viking Stadium out here, which has been up now, I guess, about three going on four years, time moves along. And there were literally thousands of people working on that, on that project. And I'm good friends with one of the contractors. And as it was coming to a close, we were having breakfast, and I talked about how for years to come, there will be lots and lots of construction workers and other people uh, who were involved with that stadium who will drive by with their kids and grandkids in the car and they'll point to the stadium and say, I helped build that. 
that sense of satisfaction has to be just wonderful. I get a sense of satisfaction when I put in a light bulb, um, my standard <laughs> dinner. Um, but to build things, to make things, and this is who the book is dedicated to, amazing people who build things and create things and fix things. Uh, when I say the only things I do with my hands are eating types. And that's my dog barking in the background. Hopefully, he doesn't do it again. <laughs> <clears throat> this is the Mentors Radio Show. Our guest is Dr. Mitch Perlstein, a former director of outreach for the Office of Educational Research and Improvement in the U.S. Department of Education. So, Mitch, what are some of those great jobs that you're thinking about and you've written about that do not require a degree? I uh, pulled out a couple of pages from the book and. I don't like people who uh, read on the air, but so stop me at any time. Some jobs in alphabetical order. Aircraft mechanic. Artisans who handcraft high-end furniture. Auto technicians. Builders of complex gas turbine generators. Carpenters. Cardiovascular technologists. Cement masons and concrete finishers. Computer support specialists. Chefs. Correctional officers, decorators, dental hygienists, electricians, entrepreneurs who start their own photography studios, firefighters, fitness trainers, flight attendants, blazers, heating and air conditioning, conditioning specialists. How about that? I don't want to read too much more. It goes on. So how, if somebody heard... Uh a field that probably uh, fits with some of the things I like doing... You know, the schools aren't really offering any vocational programs anymore. What would, what would you tell these young people to do, uh, to go forward in terms of pursuing something like that? The routes I talk about include uh, community colleges, where one gets two-year degrees, one gets one-year certificates in various programs, two-year certificates. I would uh, highlight though the fact that uh, generally it's uh, smarter when talking about these kinds of things to get a degree in a technical area rather than uh, the liberal arts, though I'm very much of a liberal arts guy. I talk about uh, the military, terrific training in the military. We have armed forces to protect the country. It's not principally a job training agency, but people learn wonderful skills of all kinds in the military. Apprenticeships in high school and not just in high school. We don't do a very good job in this country in helping people simultaneously go to school, be it uh, uh, high school or afterwards, and work at the same time while getting paid at the same time. Much, much better in a year, but we are getting better. So those are some of the routes I would uh, suggest that uh, young people investigate. Do the unions offer apprenticeship programs today? Yes, they do. Uh, we have a great program out here uh, with the Lumbers Union. Uh, uh, I should say the Carpenters Union. It's, uh, it's terrific. And talking about learning how to be a carpenter, this is a program that takes a number of years. These are very demanding, but as it turns out at the end, uh, well-paying uh, jobs, certainly. And I, th 
And I think you mentioned in the book that uh, in some of these vocations, uh, the people that are in them are actually better at math than people that are in uh, other vocations. Yeah, I found that fascinating, that uh, there's something about learning math when it's hands-on and you're doing it for a project, for a job, as opposed to doing it uh, in more uh, traditional ways, that helps people uh, master math. Yeah. And if you're going to be a machinist, as you know, uh, math is real, real important. But people are able to do it. Uh, I have a relative who started out in heating, ventilation, and air conditioning, yep. mm-hmm. uh, which would be one of those areas of great demand. And then he went on in New Jersey to build a business. And he built a substantial business in the field without a college degree. And I think mm-hmm. it's not just as we talk about these uh, trades or these skills, uh, as they learn them, uh, they can, for those that want to be uh, entrepreneurs, they can go on and build businesses around them. Uh, I mean, I think I, back to my day as a bricklayer, uh, we had a guy that uh, was the contractor and he had several uh, teams uh, out building houses. Uh, so it's not, I think some people think that these jobs are dead end jobs and they're not. Maybe you could comment You're on absolutely that. absolutely correct. And I, I have spoken to people in uh, construction who have indeed gone out to uh, start their own businesses. I remember one conversation I was told, uh, this guy with uh, uh, not a whole bunch of education now owns a business that owns these extraordinarily expensive road, uh, road paving uh, machines and the like. Absolutely. Uh, you become a photographer. And if you want to open up your own shop, you can open up your own shop. You're furniture maker. And if you're so inclined, open up uh, a little factory. Sure, absolutely. Well, we're going to be right back with our guest mentor, Dr. Mitch Perlstein, and we're talking about great careers that do not require a four-year degree. Our URL is thementorsradio.com. Go there during the break and subscribe. Never miss a show. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie. We're with the founder of the Center of the American Experiment, Mitch Perlstein, and we're discussing our obsession in the United States with the four-year college degree. Mitch, I'm going to change uh, a little bit here. I do a lot of work with people who have lost their jobs. And despite the fact that we have a low unemployment rate, uh, we see a lot of churn still in the job market. And I suspect this will continue for many years, if not forever, because of all the changes that are taking place and the structural changes. And I've been running a program since uh, 2000 for people that are in transition. We've helped about 6,000 people. And most of these are uh, white-collar employees, professional employees. But uh, what advice from your experience? Uh, you know, we tell everybody that they should go back and get some more training and reskilling, if you will. Maybe you could comment a little bit about this phenomenon, about people who do get a college degrees and they run into a brick wall, the world's changed. Uh, 
you ever thought about that issue and how this, I mean, this kind of plays into that in terms of certifications, community colleges, and I know some people that went back and became cooks because they always wanted to be a cook. Absolutely. Um, there is a, a far higher number of people who do indeed get a four-year degree, maybe more, uh, wind up in jobs that at the end of the day they don't like that much or they lose those jobs. And then they go get training at a community college. Uh, there's a terrific place out here called Dunwoody College. It's an old technical uh, two-year college, which is now a four-year college, and uh, they do wonderful work in all kinds of technical things that uh, confuse me. Uh, but there are many, many people who enroll there and other places to learn a trade, to learn a skill. You mentioned being a chef. That's that's one of them. And they're happier. And they're employed. Uh, so this absolutely... Uh, it's a route that is more uh, popular than people might assume. And when we talk going back to uh, the uh, alternative routes, it would seem to me that those that take an alternative route other than a four-year degree, that the issue, the economic issues are different because they don't end up with uh, thousands of dollars of debt. Many thousands of dollars uh, in debt quite Frequently, I have another friend. One of the good things about writing a book, you meet new people, you make new friends. A man by the name of Myron Moser, who has a, a two-year degree. He's, he's now in his 60s or 70s, my contemporary. And uh, he went into some technical trade, and he's very entrepreneurial, and he, he He's purchased any number of companies and sold any number of companies, but he talks about how when he was much younger and his friends were in college and acquiring debt, he had already bought his first home. Now, this is not for everybody, but for people who would prefer to do something other than a four-year degree. I, I will never, ever dissuade anybody from trying to get a BA if, and more if that is their dream. Never would, would I do that. But it's important to let people know that there are these other options. And on top of it all, uh, as uh, people are paying off tens of thousands of dollars worth of debt, people who have taken these alternative routes have very little debt and sometimes none at all. This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to The Mentors Radio. We're with Dr. Mitch Perlstein, former director of outreach for the Office of Educational Research and Improvement in the U.S. Department of Education. So when we go back to some of the economic issues, there's also a, a real economic issue for the strength of our country in yep. terms of our competitiveness. Uh, could you talk a little bit about the importance of these uh, alternatives in terms of the, our global uh, competitiveness? Well, we don't have enough people doing enough important jobs. Uh, the, the data that I have seen on a number of occasions is that... Uh, Various businesses, various industries uh, need to hire uh, many more people, but they can't find them, and these jobs go wanting, and that uh, their productivity, their bottom line would be, meaning the nation's bottom line, would be that much better if we had enough people who were trained in uh, areas that uh, uh, do not have 
currently enough in, employees. If you remember, a variation on the theme, five years ago now, in a presidential primary, uh, Marco Rubio said we had uh, too few uh, welders and too many uh, philosophers. Well, I have. I like philosophy a lot, but he was absolutely right. We need welders. We need plumbers. We need people who do the high-end technical work in uh, in our major industry. And I think you said in the research you did, too, that most, or not most, I don't know how many, but a good number of these people make uh, much more in their lifetime than people with the college degree. Yeah, especially if you factor in the opportunity costs of, um, when a person would be in school, you factor in what that person uh, who is taking this alternative route is making during those four years or two years, whatever it might be. Uh, plus, he or she has not gone into debt and doesn't have uh, big uh, loan repayments over years. And even without that, quite frequently, these people are making more than uh, others with uh, four-year degrees and office jobs and the like. It makes perfect economic sense. It can't. But personally, what works for me is, and it's good to know all these things, what do you really want to do? Uh, what are you really good at? And uh, too many people, it seems to me, are being pressed to take that four-year route when they really don't want to do that, when their talents lie elsewhere and they could be happier doing something else. And what are some of the uh, social detours uh, with regards to these alternative paths? It's a good question. I, I'm pleased you have brought it up. I'm not the only person I know, for good or for ill, who says, arguing against myself right now, that, okay, um, if it turns out guys uh, getting uh, technical jobs and they'll go off to work in the morning, let's say, in a uniform, and their wives or their wives-to-be, possible wives and people with uh, MBAs and law degrees, will those women be romantically interested in guys who work in the morning with a shirt and tie, a suit and tie? Uh, good sociological question. I asked some uh, young college women that question at one point and you could feel the seats squirming. They didn't want to say that they would not be interested in a guy who uh, wore uh, a uniform off to work in the morning. Uh, and I talked about this in the book. Uh, subsequent to finishing the book, I, I said I should take a look at some of the research. And there was a little bit. And uh, the problem is not as severe as I thought it severe uh, at all. Uh, and there are any number of people I interviewed, very much including women, who said, uh, what's the big problem? Uh, that I was making uh, something out of nothing. But it's an issue. It's an interesting issue. Well, we're going to be back and uh, after a break, and we're going to be back with Mitch Perlstein, who's the author of Education Roads Less Traveled. Remember, you can hear us on the Salem Radio Network in California and Texas. And anytime online at TheMentorsRadio.com or any podcast platform, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anytime, any device. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio Show. And now, 
Back to the Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie. We're with Mitch Perlstein, the founder of the Center of the American Experiment, and we're discussing our growing obsession in the United States with the four-year college degree and things we need to do to turn the tide. Our URL is thementorsradio.com. Now, Mitch, in the last segment, we were talking about some of the social uh, detours uh, related to alternative paths or road education paths uh, less taken. Uh, one of the things I remind our audience, which I always, was I was reading your book thinking about, is that Christ was a carpenter. He was a theologian, a philosopher, and a carpenter. So uh, I've, I think that's a great example for all of us. And I know that there's a school out in Wyoming, Wyoming Catholic College, where they have the students, they have to learn how to ride a horse because they feel it teaches excellence, ingenuity, and some of the realities of the world. So those are a couple of things I found interesting uh, in thinking about this uh, need to have these skills. Any comment? Yeah, two. Uh, one, I'm married to the Reverend McGowan. This is a very ecumenical uh, marriage. So she would like the Christ reference. And I used to work <laughs> for a man by the name of Al Qui. He was governor of Minnesota from 79 to 83, and I'm his biographer. He's now 96, and he is a great horseman. Um Let's just say his devotion and affection for horses is uh, very impressive. And he gets great satisfaction. He doesn't ride anymore, I don't think. But when I was writing writing his biography, right at the end of it, he told me, he said, you know, you know a lot about a lot of things, but you don't know anything about horses. Well, I'm a little bit of a horseback rider too. I don't do it on a regular basis, but I enjoy yeah, it particularly out here in the divide a couple of times. Yeah, it's a beautiful to ride out here in the West. Uh, yeah. I'm sure it is in Minnesota. There are parts of Minnesota that are beautiful as well. Um, well, you've had multiple careers. Tell us a little bit about your journey. I'm familiar with it, but our audience isn't. And how did you get to, uh, well, all the way to the point where you founded the Center of American Experiment? And that was uh, about 30 years ago. We actually opened up shop 30 years ago uh, next month. I grew up in Queens, in New York, uh, Bar Rockway, near the beach. I was a, a terrible high school student. Well, left that just sit there. Uh, but I did well in college because I figured that was my last chance uh, to have a good career. So I ran on fear as opposed to self-esteem. And I never envisioned myself as doing anything uh, necessarily like this. I never viewed myself as entrepreneurial. I saw myself um, winding up in a fine middle managerial job or being a political speechwriter. And eventually I, I did do that. I wound up as a reporter for a newspaper in Binghamton, New York. I wound up after that, back at the State University of New York at Binghamton, Binghamton University, working there, where I had done my undergraduate work. And then I got very lucky, and I was brought out to Minnesota by the new president of the University of Minnesota, a man by the name of C. Peter McGraw, with whom I had worked at uh, 
at Binghamton. I was his speechwriter. Then I went back to graduate school, got a doctorate in educational administration, and found out again that finishing a degree in a recession when no one wants to hire you is not a great amount of fun. But I wound up uh, uh, working for Alfie as a speechwriter, wound up as an editorial writer at the Pioneer Press in St. Paul, went off to the U.S. Department of Education, always wanted a, a Washington stint, but realized once I got there I wasn't cut out for that kind of bureaucracy. And I figured my background in journalism, education, and government at that stage set me up in a good way to um, start a think tank in, in Minnesota, a conservative free market think tank. And you can imagine the reactions people had when I said I wanted to start a conservative think tank in Minnesota. They would say things along the lines of, you want to start a what, where? But I was always confident it would work, and 30 years later, we're we're doing really quite nicely. So I'm not uh, the president any longer. I haven't been for five years. That's how I got here. This is Tom Laurie, and you're listening to The Mentors Radio. My guest is Dr. Mitch Perlstein. So you've had all these uh, interesting uh, things along the way. What is it that stokes your curiosity? I like the ideas underneath things. I like the cultural currents uh, driving things. I'm really not a public policy person. I'm more of a culturalist. And so when, for example, I, uh, I'm finishing off now a symposium. I invited a bunch of people to write about uh, what should personal responsibility in education mean. We have 30 successes by uh, 40 people. And uh, I'm animated by things such as, well, what does hard work really mean? How do you get people responsible? Because no matter what laws you pass, no matter what programs one might pass, no matter how much money you spend, it doesn't really matter in education unless kids work hard, unless they're responsible. So those are the kinds of things that interest me. And what is it that you find true about success? You've been around a lot of successful people. You've been successful. But what is it that you find true about it? They work hard. I've been around some people who work extraordinarily hard, harder than uh, I work, who are much more disciplined than I am. I can be reasonably disciplined, but I'm thinking of, I've mentioned names already, uh, Peter McGraw. Uh, I'm thinking of uh, Al Quay, of course, who was in Congress for 21 years prior to being governor. My K-12 mentor is uh, a man by the name of Chester E. Finn, Jr., Checker Finn for short. He was the Assistant Secretary for Research and Improvement when I was at the U.S. Department of Education. I've known Checker for decades now. He's extraordinarily prolific. Uh, I would also say I've been fortunate in that I have worked with really good people. I mean, good people. The kind of people where it is inconceivable to imagine them doing anything that they shouldn't be doing. And I think one of the things I've learned uh, in my life and certainly through the people I've had on the Mentors Radio is uh, surround yourself with good people. Yeah, uh, if you, absolutely. If you, if, you, if you hit a bad person, turn your back and run as fast as you can. Uh, <laughs> no good can come out of that. 
Now you you also had uh, I believe you you worked in a homeless sh- shelter. My wife did. Uh, when well, wife I met did. Diane, yeah, when we met, which was uh, going on thirty years ago, uh, she was the executive director of uh, of a homeless shelter, and I wound up spending a lot of time at the homeless shelter, and so this is another slice of what I have done, uh, there aren't too many, with all due respect to my colleagues in conservative think tanks, uh, there aren't too many who have spent time in homeless shelters with one's wife who is uh, also ordained. Uh, We adopted a special needs child tied to the homeless shelter. So I I approach some of these issues uh, uh, in ways that are different from others, but in terms of the real commitment to homeless shelters and people in those situations, that's my wife, Diane McGowan. Well, we're going to be right back. This is Tom Laurie, and this is the Mentors Radio. And now, back to the Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie. We're with the founder of the Center of the American Experiment, Dr. Mitch Perlstein, and we're discussing our obsession with four-year college degrees and leaving a lot of good jobs uh, begging for talent. Um, Mitch, so we've talked about uh, the alternative path, roads less educational, roads less traveled, all the opportunities that exist, uh, but we seem to have a problem in terms of uh, moving everybody in this direction. What what do you think the path forward is on how we educate? It sounds like a educational program to get people intrigued and uh, create awareness. And uh, what you know, what all what are all the things you envision that we should be doing? Well, the most general answer I can give you. I once interviewed uh, Bill Bennett when he was secretary. This was before I worked at the department. And I said, Mr. Secretary, we've spent the last half hour talking about uh, the culture, uh, about family breakdown, for example. Uh, We haven't been talking about budgets and programs. Uh, How do you change the very culture, I asked? And he said it was a very good question. Thank you. And the best answer he had was that you say what you believe in your heart to be true, and you say it over and over and over again. So in this instance, we need people in leadership. Need parents talking about, you know, it's it's okay not to want to go to college uh, if you're really interested in doing something else. If you're better equipped to do something else, um, we have to reach a stage where it is okay for people to do that. It it is to be expected that. In high school, at the end of one senior year, when people are announcing what they're going to do, that those kids who are going off to a community college are applauded as as vigorously as kids who are going off to an Ivy. Now, I don't expect that to happen, but we have to make progress in that direction. Uh, One of the things, one of the more tangible things we can do is take greater advantage of social media in communicating with young people. We're doing that now at the center quite a bit, um, doing some terrific work. Needless to say, 
the people we have hired to do this are a whole lot younger than I am. I wouldn't know what to do technically. I wouldn't know what to do, but in terms of the message, I wouldn't necessarily know what to say to um, make a dent or to be of interest to uh, to young people. But in so doing, we also have to take advantage of social media and other uh, ways of communicating with uh, with parents. Uh, there are, in addition, programs around the country that are joint efforts uh, among business, labor, and government uh, to work with high school kids, providing training in, in the very jobs that we have been uh, talking about. Those are some of the things I would say, though when uh, one does a book about just about anything and you get to the last chapter and you start listing, well, we should do this and do that, either the, the suggestions are weak in comparison to the size of the problem or they're ridiculously overstated romantic. So this is, this is tough stuff. Uh, we have to uh, keep making the point that there are these other very good ways of pursuing a career, and uh, we should take advantage of them. And what has been the response to the book and to this body of work? Uh, I have never written anything where every single person agrees with me. There hasn't been one single person who has disagreed with this. But the parallel is, uh, call it a parallel, uh, while people are now talking about this far, far more, there's much more writing, there's this general understanding and agreement that we have to move in this direction. I have yet to see any great change in the number of people taking these alternative routes as opposed to pursuing a four-year degree. The numbers haven't changed very much yet, I do not think. And that's something we have to be alert to and work on. Well, we're going we're gonna to have to close it off there. That is it till next week. Thank you very much. And you can count me in as one of your advocates for this. I really appreciate your time, Mitch. We've been with Dr. Mitch Perlstein uh, from Minnesota, who is with, formerly with the Department of Education. You can learn more about this and other shows by going to our website, TheMentorsRadio.com, and when you're there, make it easy for yourself to subscribe to future shows. Remember, you too can also listen to us online, any device, anytime at TheMentorsRadio.com or on any podcast platform. Join us next week at the same time for the next edition of The Mentors Radio. Until then, this is Tom Loy signing off for today. Remember to be all you can be and keep the candle lit for all who struggle in the darkness. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, Copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.